the Hollywood Trust podcast testimony series, sharing experiences of those affected by the Northern Ireland conflict and those people who have taken the decision to take positive steps for the future. Now here is your host, Eamon Becker. Hello there once again. My name is Eamon Baker. Today's interviewee is Caroline Brown. What you will hear is a story from Caroline about a romance in her life as a teenager here in the city during the Troubles. Before we begin the podcast, I would like to thank our funders, namely the Central Good Relations Fund, the Reconciliation Fund of the Department of Foreign Affairs, Derry and Straban District Council, and the Community Relations Council. So, Caroline. Yes. Caroline McGee. Sometimes call, I call you Caroline Brown. Mm, well, a lot of people do call me Caroline Brown, but Sharon Derry, you never lose your maiden name. I know, Caroline, that uh, when you were a, a child and a teenager, things were tough for you. Yes. And I know that at some point in your teenage years, I th- if I remember rightly, you might have been about 16. Uh-huh. And you met uh, a serving British soldier. Mm-hmm. Have I got the, the your... The age, yes. Right. I just turned 16. When were, you were 16 in... 1978. I met him I'm here in Bishop Street, up yeah. at the Archbishop's Gate. So we're in the Troubles or raging now for six, seven, eight years. Mm-hmm. Some people would say ten years. That's yeah. right. You're meeting this. I just met him. I was home for a weekend from Connie Warren's children's home in Oma, and I was actually going through the gate Bishop Street and they were coming through the gate to go back onto the barracks. So it's a foot patrol a foot patrol to base. coming back. They were coming back from base. They were actually coming back to base. Based. They were actually probably coming back from the bog. Actually on the arch he was coming towards me. I stopped and he asked my name, my age and my address. And which my address then would have been Connie Warren's children home in Oma. And did he do that as is where he's fulfilling his duty as a soldier? I don't or was know. He flirting I with think you? he was flirting. But at that time when you were stopped on the street by the British Army and the RUC, as you know, they always they would have done pay checks. So automatically I thought I was getting a pay check done. You didn't argue with them because you did come across few of them that weren't so nice. I always try to go past the uniform. I always try to see the person, not the uniform. That was just me. But the following week I received a letter. Actually two letters. One was from another soldier must have what was with him and one from him and he had sent a photograph. So I answered the two letters. So then the following week, I got another letter from Dave Thomas. Then I got a phone call. So you got these letters to Connie Warren? I got them to Connie Warren and I answered the letters. And I then received a phone call I was actually in bed because I was still at school. Mm. It was my last year at school, St. Bridges in Oma. And the one of the house girls came up, the, one of the people that looked after us. 
and they come upstairs and they said I was wanted on the phone. So I went downstairs and I thought it might have been because one of my sisters would have phoned me to see if I was okay. And uh, I went down and looked at the phone and it was Dave Thomas. And he asked, Is this the first time? First time we were on the phone and he thanked me for replying to his letter and he asked when I was coming back to Derry again and I said I would be down I think it was the following weekend I would have come down the Friday but I would have went back up to Oma again on a Sunday so he asked would I see him and I went okay so then um, I came down on the bus and it was a Friday and I made my way up to Bishop Street and I phoned and I went up this was during the day and they brought it <laughs> so I was taking a chance tell me about that taking a chance taking a chance was it was in the broad daylight in the afternoon and it was around say around four-ish four o'clock so you're taking a chance taking a chance being seen seen ringing the no soldier. seen going up to go up here to the barracks yeah what could happen, Caroline? Uh, what could have happened? You could have been tucked and tired and feathered and tied to a lamppost. Or worse could have happened to you. So, uh, Are you ringing from a phone box? Phone box, uh, There used to be two phone boxes in the street. Do you be able to remember the two phone boxes for the healer? The two red phone where, where, boxes? Where just up there. Hmm. Just up Near the courthouse? Uh, just finance, more or less, down the street a wee bit. What do you call that nice big building? It's uh, you walk up the steps to. On the, the other side of the, the street, still there. Hall? Yeah. yeah. There, three phone boxes were there. So you're ringing from mm. there. So I walked. He says to come up. And I went up and I went in. Into the the And inside, but it wasn't on the building, just standing on the grounds, and we could chatting. Is um, he dressed as a soldier? He was standing. No, no, he, he had on his army treasures and his army shirt. He had no flap jacket or anything on because we were went down and and the grounds. And he doesn't have a gun. No. Okay. He was actually taking a chance bringing me in there, but he must have asked permission to bring me in. Are you nervous? Are you excited? Uh, nervous. Sort of two together, you know was nervous, was excited, but I was a teenager that I had no fear in me. I think it was because of the way I was brought up, but being on care and things that had happened to me, the fear had gone. You know, I had really had no no fear. But if something was going to happen, my body would have got nervous and stuff like that. But I had, I really was, when I think back, I wasn't afraid. So we got chatting one thing and another, and he asked, "Could I would I call and see him again?" Call back to the back army base. Yes, yeah. and so I made my way up to Rosemount, where my mother, we were living then, and a bit of an argument in the house because it was lit coming in. It had to be during the day to see him because I wasn't allowed out because I was lit coming back. And I went down then, it was the Friday and on the Saturday. As you know, Derry was buzzing then on a Saturday 
There was no shopping centres then, it was all shops. So everybody started coming under the town on a Saturday. I took a route coming in that I didn't have to come up this way, I come up through the bog and up if I was coming under the town. So I met him again on the Saturday, we started chatting again. He told me that's about him. He had two sisters. He was the only boy in the family. But he didn't speak with a Welsh accent. He come from a very well-to-do family. So that weekend, and then I went back up to Connie Warren then on the Sunday. But I, I never told anybody about it. Do you know why you didn't? Because back then, if you were going to be a soldier, or you got friendly with a soldier, or even if you got friendly even with anybody that was military, did you with the military, even girls, you know, that was on the military, that, you know, would have said hello to you. You didn't tell anybody. Because there was always that fear that something would have happened to you. That there would be repercussions. Yes. And big repercussions in this town. Because I know a few girls, they were older than I, and I knew that they were going to be British soldiers. And I know one of them that was took and tired and feathered. And I still see that gear to this day in this time. You could actually see the regret in that gear. You know, because when it happened, she got tired and fell out. She stopped seeing whoever she was seeing. And that was it. You just kept your trap shut. You didn't, it's not you didn't try. You didn't, well, I didn't tell anybody. But so you're back up in Connie Warren. And part of you, I guess, will be excited you've met this young man who's interested in you. Well, here in Derry, I didn't tell anybody, especially in Derry. But I found the people in Noma were completely different. But I didn't tell them my house parent, as they were called. I Kevin Miley, who was in charge of Connie Warren. And I told Kevin, and I told my social worker, who was Jerry McKenna. And he come from Oma, but he worked in Derry. And I told him about it because I found right, I'm going to be honest. If I'm being honest, it'll make things easier for me. But I couldn't do it at home. What would have happened if you had told your mother in Rosemont? I would have got a kilt. Literally, she Which, would have killed you? Ah, literally. And plus she would have called you a whore. She would have strapped you down and bit the shit out of you. Literally? Literally. Physically attacked physically, you? Oh aye, physically, uh, physically attacked you, or with her bare hands, or with a bamboo stick. Which did happen. It was the pot calling the kettle black. Because later on in the years I found out my mother went out with an American during the war in 1945. And she had my eldest sister, D, an American, mm. and her brothers were... My uncle was at this stage was still in the British Army, who was a colour sergeant. In 1978? In the 1970s. Uh, not stationed here, he was stationed, you know, and he came out of the army in the late 70s and back to Derry. And all her brothers were in the British Army. So, you know, at 16 and the trouble's gone on and you meet this nice person who is in the British Army. But you go past the uniform, you see the person, and your family are all, majority of your uncles, all served in the British forces. And I ca you can't understand this, why 
your family's like this and you're friends with this British soldier and they all, you know, your mother objects. Mm. You but know, your mother doesn't know at this stage. She doesn't know at this stage. The, the people that know or the... People in Oma. They described the feeling. It was a, wonder, it was a wonderful feeling. To, for somebody... He he treated me for who I was. And he respected me. And I respected him. And it was the first time that really ever happened. That someone respected me accepted me, not respected me, accepted me for who I was. Mm. Because as growing up, being a child, a half-sibling, you never fit it in. So I fit it in. Fit it in with Dave? Dave in a way that you didn't with in your own family. family? and other people. Yeah. Saying that you then you, when you were going out with a British soldier, you kept your tra- as I said before, you kept your traps shut. You didn't make very many friends. You kept them at a distance because everything had to be kept hush hush for your own benefit. Mm. You know. So did anybody? Oh, I, I, in Derry I, know. I well, there was. I was very very shocked one one day, and I was going up to see him. He was at home, and. It was this man, and he was an English man, and he was an ex-forces. So he must he had married a dairy woman that must have been either after the war or during the 60s, the Navy, you know, where the Navy still had been coming under dairy. He was coming through the arch, and I was walking up. It was early in the morning, and he turned around, and he called me a soldier, though, and a, a, Brit, a Brit lover. He was an Englishman. And you're 16 years old. And I'm 16 years of age. But the old fucker, God forgive me, couldn't Mm. wait to take his finger off his nose. My sister was working in Littlewoods at the time. Jackie? Aye. And he couldn't wait to go down and tell tell Jackie where I was. But our Jackie didn't didn't say nothing to it, but Jackie says to me that evening that on the quiet, so she protected your She was, was protecting, and she says to me, we know. She says, we know. And she says, and, and she called him an old, an old bastard herself, mm. you know, because um, later on, and you know, as we got older, you know, she couldn't understand, and I couldn't understand it, that this man who was an ex-military and from England calling me, and him married a dairy woman, a soldier doll, and a Brit lover. So what did that make him? You know, what did that make his wife? It was to me now when I when you when I looked back and I was I said to myself, Well people like that it was the pot calling the castle black. As a sixteen year old It hurt. It hurt. It hurt. And you got nervous. Yeah. Would it be accurate to say that you were also in a family, even if there had been part of that family involved with the British Army, mm. a Republican family? Yes, big time. But I didn't know growing up because that my my siblings would have was involved because it wasn't talked about in our house. Politics wasn't talked in our house. What you didn't know, it didn't. As the old saying goes, you didn't. What you didn't know, then do you know harm? But did you know that you were 
was a Republican no. strand? No. No. No, because it wasn't talked about. It wasn't talked about until actually was one of my siblings was arrested and sent to jail. When that happened, I thought it was only the one. But it wasn't until sort of the years, things you started put the jigsaw fell together that there was quite a lot of them was Republican, mm -hmm. you know, and involved. And when I think back, maybe my my neck was saved by my own. I I would say more so my brothers than my sisters. So let, let's go back to '78 then. then. Mm -hmm. You're 16, mm -hmm. you're getting letters, you're getting this beautiful present of a lighter that matches the... And Valentine's card that Valentine's I've never card. had before. <laughs> How do things pan out then? Well, we continue seeing one another and then Dave's... But only at the base? Only at the base. And there was one incident, not an incident, one day, it was May. So you're coming on the spring. So your the romances started maybe. It was started in um, around December. December through. So we're under seventy nine May, and I remember had just went up to see him, but he had to go on, and he was coming back out to go on foot patrol. But I started to walk down Bishop Street, and I was on the left hand side of the street. Walking towards city centre uh, or walking away? No, walking down towards the Diamond. Yeah. And he was on the right hand side of the street. Now this foot patrol's coming, but I'm walking, but he makes his way up on the right hand side of the street that is sort of we're leveled together and he turns round and he goes as not be long, he says, until you and I, he says will be walking down the street together, hand in hand. So That meant a lot. That meant a lot. It meant a lot to him and it meant a lot to me. Because it doesn't happen. So that was the dream? That was his dream. It was lovely, you know, for somebody to turn around and say they, it won't be long until you and I, him on one side of the street and me on the other side of the street, him in his uniform, turn around to tell, and his colleagues is walking behind us. And there's one, be, you know, more or less behind me, and him sh the, saying this from one side of the street to the other side so of the street. This. He's not, he's not really shouting it, he's saying it so I could hear it. So I could hear it. Who else could hear it? His friends. And his friends knew the way he felt about me. Because going through the checkpoints, you know, his friends would have turned around and they would have seen me coming. They would go, there, that's Becky, that's Dave's, Dave's scared. And then there was one other incident where... Do you know where you come out of the Richmond Centre and you you go you come over as at the cross crossroads to go over to go to Waterloo Street and that arch there you where the Richmond Centre is now and you cross, cross over, over. Ca Castle Castle yeah. Street and then that arch yeah and it was a Saturday and I remember my sister who was married got a mercy on her she was married to an American and. Do you remember the American uh, navy coats, the big black navy coats with their brass buttons? Well, my brother-in-law gave me one of these, and I love boots, and I love dressing, and I always wore hats, and I had the hat. Stylish. Hat. I always loved style, and it the coat on and the hat, and that was a pair of cowboy. And the actual boots belonged to my brother Don, because I have big feet for a girl size seven. <laughs> 
So I'm walking across and Dave Thomas is on duty at this checkpoint at the ar- at this arch. Mm, Castle Gate. Castle Gate. And I could hear his friend saying, Dave, there's Becky. And I go, oh sweet Jesus. And I mean, this is a Saturday. And everybody's coming and going on a Saturday. And I'm getting sort of a bit nervous. And the next thing was, he stepped forward and his colleague stepped forward. And he goes, could I have a word with you, please? I stepped over. They walked over to the no, at the arch. And he laughs out his notebook. <laughs> and he starts talking to me. Right, you'll be down the night. This is about 7 o'clock. I'll be off duty. Give me a ring before you come up. And he's standing with his book and he's talking to me and tell, saying, and I'm going, right. But my face, I mean, my neck and my face is like a tomato. I'm embarrassed because, not embarrassed because he's doing, it's because I'm afraid that everybody's, you know, watching. But that's the way he'd done it. He had his book, we notebook out and he's letting on to write my name and address. Mm. So he goes, I'll see you at seven. And I goes, okay. And his mate goes, be careful. Down I go through the arts, down the street, up William Street, over, up Brook Park, back to the house, to Rosemount. Got mm. me tea. So I got washed and changed. And I had it. I wouldn't go out in the same outfit. I'm up the stairs and I get myself already all. Dolled up. Dolled up. Never wore makeup in my life. But I loved the lappy. Loved the lappy. And it was a strawberry gloss which she used to buy and a wee glass bottle with a roller on the top of it. And it was strawberry. And my friend worked and the chemist and Rosemount. And she ended up, her and her other pal ended up marrying two British soldiers. And they're still with their husbands to this day. They married two British they soldiers. They married two British soldiers. Is it Taylor's chemist, is it? I. She used to get me the strawberry lip gloss. So on goes the strawberry lip gloss and the long red hair, like the hair all hanging down to the one side, mm. down there mm. goes. Because my son actually passed a remark to me a couple of years ago. I turn around and he says, Mama, I got a lovely comment about you today. And I go, so well, he says, there was a man turned around and says that you turned some heads in this town, he says, when you were in your teens. And I says, well, that was nice. But he says, but you can still turn heads, Mama. It sounds like you've turned Quite a Dave few. Thomas's head. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so you've the strawberry lip gloss on, uh, you've changed your outfit. Aye. And you walk down. Down. And I goes my wee writ. I goes down Craig and Hull. And I go <coughs> down William Street. And I go through the Gilta. And I walk up Shepley Street, up past the Diamond, and up to Bishop Street. And there he's standing, peeping out, waiting on me coming up. And he's in, in, in and this moment? And he's on, on, on there. But he's not wearing the, he's not the flag jacket, yeah, he's not no. got the gun. He's so why goes up? Not quite any civvies either uh, though. No, just the army, the army shirt and the trousers. and. I remember um, he gave me a pair of his army trousers 
I'm on uh, I'm on top of the old mother rail but long so I got them top because it was nearly six as tall as you six foot I'm only five foot three well five foot three and a half mm-hmm. so uh, he gives me a pair of his army trousers so I turn them up and I could buy myself a nice t-shirt and it was the first time I ever went to um, what do you call the store they're down in Frank Long's now home uh, oh, oh yeah did you all the army and stuff? Yeah, Alan Fox runs it. I, I can't remember. But there used called. to be just to be on a house down the strand. Out it did past. just at the foot of Lawrence Hill. Had, and I went down there and I bought myself this green army hat. You know the pink. Mhm. You know, we all wear them now, different colours. I wore it, and the hat. But I don't wear it here in Derry. Only wore it in Noma. And I had a camera, and Annabelle took photographs of it. Do you have those photographs? No. Unfortunately, when I went to live with my father, Colin Mercy on him, in England, and I went to Sussex, and I went down to work, and uh, I was living in a caravan, I lost all. I came home, and I never went back down. I lost all my photographs. Every photograph I possessed from that time, I lost Mm. them all. Had you photographed of Dave Thomas? Dave Thomas, myself, Annabelle, all to do with Connie Warren, lovely ones, myself and Jacqueline together, Margaret Cochran. At that period, some lovely photographs. But you never showed your photographs. I never showed me photographs here, Dave, uh, Derry. Mm-hmm. I always, always had. So they must have been taken in the base. They were no. When I, I was working. I went when I went to England. This was long after uh, Dave went. I went to love in London, and I ended up in the Camber Castle in Sussex. That's where I lost them all. Yeah, but you the know. photographs of Dave. Oh, Dave would have talked. Dave took a while lot of photographs of me. A mm. while lot of photographs. See where the steps are. At the wall. At the wall up there. He would have talked a while lot of photographs of me. At the steps, mm. and even then, when it, I was on, he would talk a while. And was there a, a place you went to inside no, the barracks? If you can take your memory back, when the, it was a full base, at the end of that building, there was a bank. What do you call it, a banker? You know what they locked out? Yeah. It'd have been on there. So in the sandbag uh, post. Mm. So that's where you went. Uh, and then. Um, some of the British soldiers now, which I thought was awful, they would have called the gears sandbangers. And the first time I ever heard it, I asked Dave, what did that mean? Sangerbanger? Sangerbanger. And I was so, so embarrassed when I heard the meaning of it. Next week in the Hollywell Trust testimony series, Amen interviews Nigel Hussey. Nigel certainly laughs through the interview and is, it's entertaining but he's also talking about horrible things that became normal in our community in the 70s and 80s. As I say, we had, we had a few bad times there. I can remember the two young fellas that um, were carrying a bomb in and the bomb blew up prematurely just at the door of the supermarket. The off-license was further up at the end because it wasn't allowed to be in the supermarket in the end days and I would have been first down to it actually. And, the young fella's head is across the street, his head is blown clean off. You can download that podcast for free on our SoundCloud page. Just go to soundcloud.com and search for High Well Trust. And on iTunes, search High Well Trust. 
so we're, I'm in my mind now as I follow the, the timeline here. Mm. It's now the May, we're right May, May. The, mm. going into the summer of and 1979. And his plans were that I had stolen Connie and his plans were that um, because I spoke to my social worker about it, that when he would go back and I was finished in school at Easter time, that I would go to or whatever him. England or Wales? Wales, whatever. My social worker says no, we would have to wait a while to see. See what? Because I was done care, they were trying to get me a job. They wanted to make sure that I had solid foundations. Because the way my mother was putting me under care and took me out of care and put me under care and the social workers and people and, and Kevin Miley and Connie Warren they, and the Sean they wanted some some solid foundations for me stable stable because I was getting pillar the post shove back and forth and back and forth it was around before Easter my sister my eldest sister Ficky landed up in Connie Warren and it was a Friday and it was a lovely, lovely day. Her and her husband and her brother-in-law. And my sister says, you're going home? And I goes, I'm going home. She says, I have, she says, I have talked to my ma. I'm taking you home. So you're going home to Vicky? No, I'm going home to my mother. But Vicky is taking you She's home. taking me down. They must have had a, you know, one of these family meetings. Right, she's in care long enough. Or taking her out. I goes to Ficky, well, I go home with things change. Oh, aye, aye, aye. I goes, that's grand. So she goes on, she speaks to Kevin Miley, and Kevin Miley says to me, are you sure you want to go? Because I was going home, because I was back in Derry, and Dave was down there, and I goes, right, if I go to Derry, I can see Dave nearly every day. Up I go, we pack all my stuff and away we go back. And I told me more about Dave. And I told Dave and he says he wanted to meet my mother. And I give he knew my my address and uh, up in Asa Street. So he wrote a letter to my mother explaining, telling my mother that he was taking me out. Mm-hmm. You know, he was my boyfriend and that was just had and more or less asking my mother her permission and my mother give her permission so she didn't slowly she didn't you know because i think i was doing it the right way you know i told her and dave thomas had the manners to write and say to my mother dear mrs brown my name is dave thomas and i'm letting you know that I'm going out with your daughter and can I have your permission? My mother went down to the barracks and met him in 79 and because Dave told me, he says your mother come and met me. She was agreeable to it. Yeah. My mother was agreeable to certain things and then she would have turned. I was crying. That made me happy because that took that fear away because my mother knew so that was okay. So if anybody says anything, I'm going to tell your mother. I will turn around and says, well, my mother already knows. Hop your bucket. Yeah. You know? 
because that most of the girls fear you know that their parents don't know or their siblings don't know and when somebody else found out that was their fear that you know somebody going to the door your daughter's going to be a any soldier your daughter's a soldier at all yeah that was a fear that fear was took away i was quite happy with that so everything was crowned and as i say do so you're now back in Derry. back in Derry, and so uh, but I said to my mother, I'm going down to see Dave, and that's okay. I told her where I was going. Everything was grand. Coming under the summer, so it sort of went on. I was coming down, and but I wasn't allowed out every night. I w- you're only allowed back back then. You know, you're 16. You're only allowed out so many nights a week. But I still should have been at school at this stage. Will you not say you were an Easter leaver? An Easter leaver, but Easter hadn't come, you know. My mother didn't put me back on this school when I come back down. So I never got finished in my school. As I say, you were allowed out so many nights a week. So it was coming closer and closer and closer and closer that Dave was going. When did he actually go? It was um, around June. June 1979. Around June. It was, uh, 79 was a lovely spring, a lovely summer. And how are you feeling as it? Oh, I'm so happy. But how are you feeling as you know he's going to go, and he's talking about going? Well, he's he knows he's going because he served he has served his tour of duty. Tour of duty. And they were actually the first regiment to come under there, the Prince of Wales. Back in sixty nine. Sixty nine. They were the first regiment to come under there in nineteen sixty nine. You're thinking right, he's going to go away. And how long is it before you're going to see him? How long is it before, you know, you want to get over there? Because all this has to be arranged. So what they did then was the new regiments would have come in. So the old regiments that was going out, they were showing the new regiments, the areas and whatever. And I remember I was coming up Bishop Street and Dave's friend was coming down and it was... He was, they were showing the, this new regiment. Foot patrol. Foot patrol. And he goes, hello, Becky. And I goes, I was actually at the diamond, the top of the diamond. And I goes, hello, how are you? And he goes, very well. He says, he's waiting on you. And this wee small monkey, as I would have called him. He's that, he says. He says, that's Dave's girl. So I goes on, I keep going, but I could hear your man saying, your man asked the question, your man answering the uh, question. The other guy is a soldier, uh, two soldiers Two talking. soldiers talking, he wants to know who I was. So up by goes, and Dave's down and Witten, and blah, 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 the usual, and that had so much respect for me. And I remember one, one time he asked me to do something, um, it was sexual, and I says no. And there was no argument, pressure. pressure put on. That was okay. So that's how much respect that fella had for me. I didn't want to. He wanted and he asked and I says no. And he was quite happy. This so is tremendously important for you, Carly. Oh, I? In a life where you haven't maybe been shown respect. That's right in the institutions that you've been in and mm-hmm. uh, in your family. Mm. So I'm I'm sitting now thinking Dave's about to go. Uh-huh. There may be arrangements or may not. Mm-hmm. So what happens? What happens was I was threatened in the time. By? I was approached by 
a man and a woman and was told to end it. He now looked here for mm. So, is this man and a woman from provisional IRA? Mm -hmm. <sighs> I wasn't going to get tired and pillared. I was going to be shot. Uh, it was last night. I was going down to say bye. He was gone, and I looked up, and I could tell. And then you couldn't. Couldn't tell. Mm -hmm. And uh, I walked away. But it was actually it was one of the asked me something. But I had to get away so quick. Because you're frightened. And I ran away. And I, I literally ran the whole way down, down the street, and I ran across the bridge. Across the bridge. I went. To, I went to the water side. Because mm -hmm. you'd found the top of the hill. I didn't go to the top of the hill. I didn't go anywhere. I just went to the water side. Yeah. And. Uh, I'm a tongue. I never says. I never spoke. Um, I sort of kept quiet, and uh, the new regiment was on. The little shithead that that night that I was walking up had asked who I was, and he shouts all over the town, "Oh, that's the signer banger," he says. Shirts so that other people can hear. Uh, that's the singer banger there. So Dave's gone? Dave's gone. And this little shit, he's no more than fucking five foot, over five foot. And he's one little rat bag, and he shirts this all over. And every time he's seen me in the town, this is a British soldier. That's what he shirted. So then I got the stage, I was thought patrol was going past or a land rover was going past I was getting called a singer banger but in between that things weren't good at home and I ended up leaving the house and I ended up living on the streets and I never heard from Dave Thomas or anything had he said he would Stay in touch, mm -hmm. but you never heard from him. No. And had you you had no address? No address. I tried to get in contact with him. the address that I had, and nothing worked. As I say, when I was out on a Saturday, my mother was running late, and my stepfather was coming in, and I was in the house before my mother. And I was set on the table, but she literally was just in front of my stepfather. And uh, she says something to me, and I says, Well, I'm set on the table now. And she turns around, she goes to my stepfather. She's talking back to me, so the next thing I get whacked under the fridge. By your stepfather? My stepfather. So I left my coat, the coat that my sister gave me, and I says, I'm not. I'm taking this. I'm away. 
But that was my mother's way of getting rid of me. Mm-hmm. Because at this stage, the families had died. And I had no job. So you literally walked out with a coat in your back? Mm-hmm. And from that, you ended up in the street? I ended up on the street. Um, strangers helped me. But I fell into wrong company. And I ended up being an agent. That was 20 years my senior. And that was abuse. That wasn't. But I tried. Uh, when I went to London, to love my father, I tried to find Dave Thomas. It was no good. But I could tell that fella at night that I was threatened. That either I finished it. Did you finish it? I had to finish it. But I didn't do it the right way. I walked away. So he had no idea? He had no idea. I was saving my neck. It's actually literally more or less saving his neck too. Because let's say if he did the plans that I think that he had, that he wanted to come back to here to Lombardy or to be with me or whatever, the fellow would have been six months older. It had, it had that happened to a friend of mine, her and her husband. He came back. My friend met up. She married. She met her, her her husband. They married and they come home. She was pregnant. She had a stillborn child, and she wanted to be with her mother. And the next thing was this was I'm talking about a woman under 1980, and she came home. Her stillborn child, you know, she had to give birth to a stillborn child. So she came home for her mother's love and care. Care, and her husband come off her, and it was supposed to be a secret that he wasn't here. And he was shot dead in the Rosemount factory. And what at this stage, I can remember that fellow's name, but I couldn't turn around and say that was my friend. Mm. That was my friend's husband. But that little shithead of a fucking soldier that. He made my life in misery. Because a little bastard, God forgive me, he wanted, he, he says, I want to go out with you. And I says, I wouldn't push on you if you were on fire. This is the guy who's calling you Sanger Beggar. Mm. Here's, you know, what I'm partly thinking here. If you have a broken heart. Mm. Still have. For Dave? Mm. You kept something of Dave's, didn't you? No, I lost it. I had a white feller and I lost it. How did you get the white feller? What did that mean? They wore the white fellers. Uh, the Prince of Wales Regiment has a white feller in their cap. Yeah. And he gave me one of his white, it's the, the feller. That has a different name. They don't call it a feller. It's, it's a different name. And I had it. And you kept it and for years? And I kept years? it for years and it was lost. Did he give you something that you wore around no, your I neck? No, I got that made. I designed it myself. And what is it? It's a... Uh, it's made of gold and it has the white fellers of the Prince of Wales Regiment. It doesn't say the Prince, it's just the white fellers. And on the back of it I have a Becky and Dave on the back of it. And the man that made it, you call him Dave Thomas. Round the corner Carter. in Pump Street? Yes. And it was a coincidence. I it decided, we talked about it, I explained to him what it was about. The man was quite happy, he's an English man himself. And it was just a coincidence that his name is the exact same name as Dave Thomas. 
and I have it it cost a lot of money to be made and I remember the day I went to pick it up John knew I was getting it done and I, we were all made up for, for coffee and uh, I, I gave it over to Dawn to show and Dawn says put it on and I put it on and Jackie went to reach for it to read the back of it and I went that's private and she went and Dawn had to say to her that's private Jackie that's nothing to do with you that's private nobody knows my daughter knows about it because if anything happens to me it's going to my eldest grandson so what I would think about that Caroline is that, that that's the summer of love mm. uh, from December 1978 to June 1979 the most happiest that you've been in your life I was in my life because between Connie Warren and Dave Thomas and it's amazing how people can destroy the click of a finger I don't want names here but but I'm, I'm interested in a man and a woman approach you I don't know them I don't know them do they take you aside do they, they stopped me and they ha- held me and they told me that held you at gunpoint no just just stopped de- me and they detained you mm. and they told me you you keep away from the British British army if you don't you won't be tired, Ballard. Don't be shot. You're 16 going on 17. You're 16. You think you're an adult, but you're not an adult. And, well, I had to grow up very quick. But you go to yourself. You save your own neck. And you don't want this to happen. Because if it does, it means pulling that fella. And when you went up to the... The base. Mm-hmm. You finished the relationship, I finished it, but, but I you didn't explain why. No. I just walked away. I didn't even say. I just, I walked and I ran. Mm. Across towards the water side. Yeah. Yeah. And that was the last time. You ever saw? Away. No, never saw, never heard. And I used to ask, and, and then years later, I says to my mother, I asked my mother, I says. When I left the house, I said, were there any letters come for me? And she goes, no, she says. But she says, our Jacqueline, she says, they might have been in our Jacqueline, might have talked them. When I explained what the letters, you know, could have been. Could have been. The excuse was Jacqueline, you know, Jacqueline might have had them and talked them and kept them. Jacqueline wouldn't have. Jacqueline would have given to Dawn or given to me. So part of you... My mother had them. She talked the letters. I know them. Because when she turned around, she goes, Oh, Jacqueline would have took them. That means there were letters. There were letters. So they were destroyed. They were kept so from So you me. didn't know. So you didn't write back. Okay. And in fact, uh, how many years have passed now? 30 well, 36. 36 years. Because the following year, I had my daughter. In 1980, I had my daughter in September 1980. Mm-hmm. Remind me of her name. Sarah, Sarah B. They're Baron but we call I call her we call her Sarah B. I told this story to a girl a long time ago, and she couldn't believe it. She couldn't believe it. She says the way people treated people. Oh, 
part of the troubles. And really, what was it all about? Really, what was it all about? So everything, in a sense, broke down. Everything just, my life just fell apart. So you went from the best thing that ever happened to you? To the, the hell. I'm going to turn this off. Caroline, thank you so much for sharing your story. And once again, I'd like to thank our funders, namely the Central Good Relations Fund, the Reconciliation Fund of the Department of Foreign Affairs, Derry and Straban District Council, and the Community Relations Council. You can listen and download Caroline's interview and every episode from our soundcloud.com page and on iTunes. Search for Hollywell Trust podcast. Our next interviewee will be Nigel Hussey. Thank you so much for listening. See you soon. You can stay up to date with us on our social media pages. On Facebook, look for the Hollywell Trust. And on Twitter, it's at Hollywell T.